Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant with Fergus Elias and The Isaacs. Hello and welcome to yes another episode of The Maker and The Merchant with me, Fergus Elias, and of course, Yanina Doyle. Oh, no, wait. Oh, you're back, I, aren't you? I, I can't do an impression. I was going to try and do an impression. I, I, I have a limited range of impressions and I certainly can't do Yanina Doyle because I, mean, I just don't have that much energy. I mean, Ever. have you got some cocaine? That might get you there. Well, I have, but I mean, if I travelled to Colombia now and consumed a third of their domestic production, I still still wouldn't be enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I, I've met two people with those obscene levels of energy. Uh, friend of the pod, yeah. Libby, and friend of the pod, Janina. I mean, how do these? Like, do they regenerate? Like, like, do they literally plug in or something? It's just I, I genuinely don't know, but it was fabulous to have her on, wasn't she? Wasn't she good? Did you, you know, you listened because yeah, you very helpfully put that uh, elevator music in for me, uh, which I really appreciated. <laughs> that was my that's my, been my biggest contribution to the make at the merchant since we started. We're approaching our twelve month anniversary. <laughs> I put in some elevator music. Um, I did. I I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. Um, great guest. Now it was. It summed up everything that we kind of wanted TM and TM to be, which is two people who really get on having a good old chat about a particular subject, but not not deep diving on it, but like whizzing around and, and going off on, on tangerines and stuff like that. It was just yeah, it was no, joyous to listen to. Uh, I, I think she brought oh, okay. a level of optimism and joy to the pod that we, we've actually never had. <laughs> but certainly it's primarily okay. from my side of the screen anyway. <laughs> Mike Boyne is a very optimistic man. He is a very optimistic man, <laughs> indeed. I mean, he's he's even working with Save All Blanc, isn't he? Oh, is he? <laughs> I don't I'm know. Have to I, I'm going to have to read <laughs> Ever the optimist there. That was just but the first me. thing that came into my mind, was Save All Blanc. Um, although anyway, I am... Hello. Hello. I've missed you. <laughs> I've missed you too. It was. I was gutted to not, not yeah. be a part of the... And it was such a brilliant episode as well. But it was better for oh, it. No. It was better for it. Not at all. But... Not at all. It was. It was. Um, it was a fabulous episode. And thank you so much uh, to Yanina for joining us. Um, but also, you know, you're back. And I, I'm I am you. back. And L- I'm like a shit back. Terminator. I'm back. <laughs> Here I am with with tales of practically nothing to share. It's been. Oh, it's been hectic. Right. I, I'm aware that when I say that everybody's hectic, right? There's nobody out there that isn't busy, unless they're people making millions by doing very little, um, and they exist. I want I want that. I Right now, I could I could live with that, you know. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just, you know. Oh, I, I think also, money. We, we have to ask a question, not millionaires, billionaires, right? There's, there's, there's over 100 billionaires in the world, right? Yeah. Still no Batman. What's going on? Well... Maybe we just don't know about him. Maybe it's maybe it's. I, I'm glad my her. secret hasn't got out. <gasps> I mean, ooh. Oh. have you ever? I need to ask you this question. That was the have most you ever effeminate seen? Ooh, I've ever, I've ever <laughs> <laughs> produced. Ooh. I'm going to clip that out of the audio and turn that into your ringtone on my phone. <laughs> It'll work perfectly. Have Have you ever seen Batman and me at the same time, Ferg? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I have. Because he's a fictional character, and I do. Exi- I as much as we might, as much as we can know if anything exists, mm. I exist. 
Or, or I exist in my own head. Cogito ergo sum, right? Oh, no. Nice. Or, or perhaps... I think therefore I am. Very good. Or, or yeah, perhaps yeah. Bebito ergo Where's sum. Where's the horse? <laughs> <laughs> Rene, I don't know if you know this. Um, as you know, I am I was going to say I'm a student of philosophy. I'm not a student of anything, least of all philosophy. But um, I happen to know... But are we a, a not few, all students a, of philosophy? Well, are, are we... You see, I, I wish I'd gone to university to do my degree, right, and and somehow got it and, and, and done a PhD in philosophy. So cause I'm a doctor of philosophy because I'd love to be on a flight, right, and the call comes to us. Is there a doctor on the flight? And I'd run forward and go, I'm a doctor, a doctor of philosophy. And they'd look at me and go, but this man is dying. And I'd say, but did he ever really live? <laughs> um, wasted my life. It's the story of my life. Wasted opportunities. But I don't know if you know this, though. Um, one day... Rene Descartes walked into a bar and the barman said, would you like a drink? And Rene Descartes said, I think not, and vanished. Oh, very good. Yeah. There's there's another very similar good. story okay. involving uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. And Jean-Paul mm. Sartre was sat at a cafe in Paris and the waiter asked him what he would like. And Jean-Paul Sartre said, I would like a coffee without milk, please. And the waiter said, I'm very yeah. sorry, we don't have any milk. How about without cream instead? Hilarious. I mean, our, our listener is is <laughs> ruffling, as I believe the youth of today would say. I believe ruffling. That's the, the youth of about five years ago would use is ruffling. It? But yeah, absolutely. so out of touch. So Mate, out of we're, touch. We're, get, we're getting old. What can I say? Yeah. Um, getting, I, I'm anyway, there. Uh, out of interest, uh, are we going to talk about your flavors of Spain tasting today? About the what? What was that? Uh, it was so long ago, uh, I can't. Yes, we are. We are. So um, perhaps you could give us a bit of a, a background on this because you know it happened what in two thousand and twelve. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was before that. The, the lovely <laughs> Ana Gomez, who runs Flavors of Spain and and La Culto restaurant, um, great Spanish eatery in in London. Uh, she very kindly me sort of sent me an invitation and said I'm doing um, a portfolio tasting sixty seven pound mail. This was obviously about you know ten years ago. <laughs> Uh, would you like mm. to come? I was like, I don't get invited to anything. She's obviously sent the invitation to the wrong person, but I'll take it. I said yes, uh, and so um, I, so I went along to um, to this event. Now I think, in terms of tastings uh, and trade tastings, where I see real value in them now is actually going to proper focused small events. So yeah, you know, like I'm just going to go and taste a load of Spanish stuff. Not a load of everything, yeah. or Italian stuff, or you've got, um, I know, north-south Condor wines, and uh, somebody else, I can't remember who it is, they've got a tasting coming up in early September, uh, which will be brilliant. I'll um, I'll put in the copy who the third contributor is, because their name just escapes me, and I, sh- I should remember. But where you can go, and it's yeah. a proper focused tasting, either focused on a, 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 you know, a region or a, a particular importer who might not just do one thing, but you can take a good yeah, look yeah. at their range. I, I think there's real value there. Uh, so I said, you know, wow, it's lovely to be invited. Thank you. It's really kind. Um, and off I went. And when I when I got there, the first thing Anna said was, um, stay open-minded. And I just said to her, have you seen the way I dress? You know, this is yeah, a deliberate because... choice. I, I haven't lost a bet. Right? Yeah. This is, I choose I'd love to... it if it turned out that actually a decade ago, you lost a bet. And That'd make a bit of good the, story, the, wouldn't it? The, the, t- the terms were that on seventy percent of days, 
for the next 20 years, you have to wear a ridiculous shirt. And that's, that's just, that's just why you do it. That'd be a great, a great story to fabricate. I might might start working on that. It could, it could originate that it could originate the day I threw up on sting. Um, Maybe we'll see. That's that's a story for another day. Anyway, yeah, Anna yeah. said remain open minded, and I, you know, said, well, I, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I, I think I know what you mean by that, but but let's clarify a little bit. I'm I'm here to explore, you know, Spanish wines. You're a small specialist importer. I'm I'm not expecting to get really mainstream, bulk manufactured box ticky wines here. That's not what I'm expecting. Mm. She sort of said, well, that's good because. You know, I only work with really tiny producers, primarily in the... It's a funny thing with Spain, isn't it? Because you talk about Spain's off-the-beaten-track regions, and you go, that's basically every region that isn't Rioja, right? Because <laughs> that's all everybody knows. Oh, I bet it's a bit yeah. of People know Priorat and Ribera, and they're getting to know uh, Rias Baixas and stuff. But the, a, a lot of Spain is seen as being off-the-beaten-track, right? Because we, you know, 60% of Spanish wine sold in this country is Rioja, mm. Um, and I think I, I feel safe in saying this country because I, I, we don't have any listeners in our home country. I doubt we have any listeners any further afield uh, outside of it. But just in case they stumbled across this. We have nine listeners in South Korea. Really? Well, then yeah, maybe we need to do it. I was going a, through our stats the other day and we have nine listeners in South Korea. No dear, idea. Dear South Korea. Wow. That is that is. Thank you very much for for. Maybe I we should do. Um, work out if Mum had been to South Korea and maybe I don't know. Stole. She, ba- she bouncing the VPN around. Yeah, maybe that's what she's doing, isn't it? That's um, maybe it. we need to do an episode on soju. I mean, yeah. Game. Uh, let's. That could be fun. I know what we need is a TM and TM road trip to South Korea. Yeah, I know. Oh, we we oh. discussed Burgundy. Uh, let's go big or go home. Mm. Go big to South Korea for a bit, and then and then go home when we're when we're done. When we're so we can go big and, and, and go and poor. Go home. I'm already there. I feel like it'd so. be an expensive trip. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't have any money at all. Yeah, definitely don't have any of that, especially after Schrodinger broke his leg. Ooh. Those vets make quite a lot, a lot of money. Oh, no, that's unfair. Vets do a very difficult. I know, but, uh, but job, have you ever but... seen that Mitchell and Webb sketch where the man goes to the vet <laughs> and he goes, "Right now, uh, let's have a look at the, let's have a look at your cat here." All right, and uh, do you re- do you do you know what this is? And and the vet goes, well, "Yes, that's a chip and min- pin machine." Yes, excellent. Well, if you wouldn't mind typing four hundred pounds and then entering your pin, that would be fantastic. <laughs> but, but you haven't done anything yet. <laughs> It's one of my favourite sketches, and Brilliant. I've done it absolutely zero justice. But yeah, no, I still have they the, do have to kill puppies. So yeah, they um, <laughs> the awful people. I, I do love the, uh, the, the 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 brain surgeon rocket scientist. Oh, That's that one. So, and the, the beauty of that sketch is you see it coming a mile. You yeah. know exactly what the payoff's going to be, and it's still yeah. funny. And then you can watch it again <laughs> multiple times, knowing exactly what happens word for word, and it's still funny. To be able to write comedy that is still funny after the first time you've heard it. Hmm. Uh, I it, Please see Exhibit A, Father Ted, Exhibit B, Blackadder. Yeah. Brilliant. No, hard agree. Hard agree. Um, anyway, so our South Korean listeners will be, be wanting to know more about Spain. Uh, um, yeah. So this, this was all going to be, you know, Boutique 
esoteric, less obvious, non-mainstream varieties, regions, all sorts of stuff. And nice. I, I think I know why Anna said remain open-minded because sometimes when you start looking at um, wines made with less intervention, you know, more natural wines, more orange wines, they're mm. so... They're problematic, not necessarily because they have faults or are faulty. They're problematic because they're so far removed from our traditional experiences of what we expect wine to be. Right. So some of them, some sometimes, let's take orange wine as a very broad spectrum. Firstly, orange wine is a huge spectrum. Like a few days on the skins, loads, lots of time on the skins. Some of them are very light and fresh. Others are really, really pithy and tannic. So there's huge diversity. Now, th- there are faulty wines within that, right? Mm-hmm. because there are faulty wines everywhere other than at Balfour Hush Heath Estate. I don't know if you know that 100% fault free wines. Um, yep. Now, yeah, but there's faults everywhere. Right. But the thing is we, I, so I'll yeah. give you the example of this. Um, a little while ago, uh, a friend of mine presented me with uh, a, a natural wine from mm-hmm. Alsace. It was a Riesling and it was from a producer called, uh, I think Jean Ginslinger or Ginslinger or Gunslinger. Something like that. I think he was a cowboy in a past life. I like the idea of gunslinger reasoning. I'm I, 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 especially if it's like a really flinty, smoky one. Anyway, he presented yeah, yeah, this reasoning to me, cited. So I knew it was a natural wine. I knew the producer, knew the region and the variety. Mm-hmm. And yes, it had an earthiness to it. It had a funk, for want of a better word. Uh, I'm not very articulate. I was going to say today, but I'm not very articulate ever. And I, I enjoyed facets of this wine because it was so different. And for me, it it was a door opener because it made me go, okay, I didn't really know wine could do this. Whether I think it should or it shouldn't or it's right or wrong, that's a conversation for slightly further down. What I need to do is work out what this is trying to be, what it's trying to communicate. And the next place I went was, would I figure this out if I was given this in a blind, you know, if I'm doing my diploma exam and I get given this blind, Yeah, would I figure out it's a Riesling from Alsace? Um, And I, I, I thought to myself, I don't think I would because it's so different to what I know Alsace Riesling to be, perhaps our understanding of what Alsace Riesling should be, in inverted commas, is actually incorrect, or just isn't broad enough. And that opens up a whole other conversation of, at at what point do you say this is faulty and not right? And there are discernible faults in wines. Um, Yeah. But maybe sometimes our boundaries are a bit too narrow. So I think what Anna meant, the whole waffle here was these wines a lot of these wines won't taste like you expect wines to taste but just give them a fair shot and what i found uh, i got about halfway through the room um because i'm old and worn and tired and have no energy so i i I was hoping to get around every stand every wine but i i got sort of about halfway around what i found with all of these wines was purity personality and purpose all of these wines knew what they wanted to be. They expressed nice. that really well, but they were all pure. So even the wines that were really minimal intervention and natural, where we often we, we sort of we don't really see those as being pure wines uh, often, there was real fu- fruit purity. I mean, just across the reds and whites, th- these wines were singing. Um, they all felt sort of sincere. They all felt expressive. They were all characterful. Mm-hmm. Every single wine was. There was nothing there that was like. Oh right, I see. This is this is like this is what uh, I don't know. An orange iron should taste like. All right, it, it, it still did something. Yeah, uh, and and I didn't love all of these wines. Uh, there, there were wines where I, I thought, yeah, it's really kind of not for me. 
but actually I, I, I feel that's just a, a stylistic choice of I don't want to drink something that does this. It's not wrong for doing it, um, mm. which goes back to our, our earlier uh, off-mic chat, which was, you won't be able to hear this, dear listener, but that was the best chat ever had about wine in the, in the, in the last decade by anybody, whether they're mm. wine professionals or not. It was brilliant. You should have been there, but you weren't. So um, Yeah, I mean, this I'm, is just a tribute. It, it, it is. It is. It isn't the greatest podcast in the world. But right. I was I was walking down the vineyard, and there shined a shiny winemaker <laughs> in in the middle. That was, that was me with my in, bloody sunburn in the middle of the vines. <laughs> a, 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 a whip crack with his whippy tail, because for the purposes of, the, of this, the winemaker had a tail. Um, yep. And he asked me. He said, "Be you a podcaster?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, nay, we are but men. And then you appeared, and we started rocking out on the guitar. It was weird. Yeah, no, or that it, is weird because it, I can't play the guitar. It could have, neither can I. It hasn't stopped me for over two decades. I mean, it could have, could have just been a fever dream. I've just had it. We need to update our logo, Ferg. Right, we need to take I mean, that image yeah. of, of 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 Jack Black and Rage Cage, right, yeah. in the Tenacious D tribute video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just Photoshop our heads onto them. Do we know someone who's good enough at Photoshop to do that? Uh, yes. Yes, Excellent. we do. Have could you this, seen... Could, have, this, could this happen? It, I'm going to leave it with me. I'm working on okay. it. Um, could be like a special piece of merchandise. We'll only have like, I don't know, minimal run 10,000 units made. I mean, yeah, it'll yeah, sell yeah. out like like that. I mean, you know. it's 10,000. That feels like too small a number for it like does, a minimal run. Given, you know, given our... our our global listener. listenership, <laughs> global as we've established. Um, the, the been a... in South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to crack Japan soon. Um, um, if if you are one of the nine <laughs> listeners, or you are the person that's listened nine times on nine different devices in South Korea, please, please contact us. Please get in touch with us. Um, the maker and the merchants at gmail dot com. We've got all the social channels you can imagine, apart from I don't know, apart Switch. from most of them. Apart from most of them, but yeah. please, I'd l- we're not on Tinder. To- we're not I'd on Tinder. Love to- I'd love to know who's out there. <laughs> so, I, now, I've I've been a fan of Tenacious D for years. They're a huge on the last band I was in, which was the best band in terms of the output, was the strongest of any band I've been in. But that is a very low bar, given that I yeah, was yeah. in the band. Um, I don't know. You, you obviously know the Tenacious D tribute song. I don't know if you've seen the HBO series where Tenacious D started. Because there's a whole, they were like twenty minute episodes, and there's a whole episode yeah. from which the the song tribute originates, and the song is oh, longer. Really? There's there's an extra few minutes to the song. There's like another verse, and it makes it very. I mean, it's obvious when you listen to that song, it's obvious the mm. song is about Stairway to Heaven. The basis Stairway to Heaven is better, but for for legal purposes and copyright, in the the version they launched on the they released on their album, they couldn't include any segment where they're covering Stairway because that would be a huge payment off to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the TV episode, it, it incorporates the melody uh, really? and, and key sections of the song, and it's 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 seamless. It's brilliant. Go, go back and watch it. Um, I'll have to, I'll for, have to for, dig for, that out. For anybody listening going, oh, I might go and explore Tenacious D, a lot of the humour is quite juvenile, puerile, quite bass. Uh, and if once you cut all that stuff out, like the musical humour is very funny. But anyway, that's just a, a, a little warning to anybody who might or might not want to, to go and listen to that. Anyway, this Spanish tasting. Um, <laughs> it was just it was just it was a tribute. 
Um, I mean, this, I'm, I'm looking at the book now, and there's there's so many producers that I did get to taste that I, I would love to to mention, but just for time, I'll, I'll try and sort of trim this down a bit. There was um, the the first producer I tasted uh, is Lado de Maya, which is Castilla Leon, so based near Valladolid, um, and and Maria, who's is sort of uh, owner winemaker she kept using the phrase about being respectful to the fruit. So I started saying, well, you know, wh- when are you picking? How are you treating the fruit? She's basically like, you've got to respect the fruit. Um, yes. And I thought the chemistry yes, must be respected. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, you know, respect the fruit. So it, it wasn't necessarily minimal handling. It's very gentle she handling. Shakes, does she shake its hand when it comes through the door? Um, uh, well, oh, she, hello. She... hello, Mr. Alvarino. It's really lovely to meet you. Well, she actually cur- curtsies. Um, okay. Uh, she, it, the, the, what? What? She she, does this really? She, well, when you know, you know, basically, like you know, you can pick the fruit and then you, you put it in a, a, a bucket, a container, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you can you you know, usually on the back of a tractor or in a truck, yeah. you know, you get that fruit back to the winery. Yeah. Stretch limo. Nice, classy move. Yeah, and the driver has a hat as well. Yeah, a, a no, chauffeur's hat, not just a random hat. Yeah, yeah. play some you pitbull know. through the through the stereo, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you just want to celebrate, wouldn't you? So you would, and then uh, yeah. was that pitbull? I don't know. Pitbull is one of those. Is, I don't know. I don't know about any, any music made after the nineteen eighties. I probably don't. Well, yeah, I don't know. Oasis was nineteen nineties. I probably know that. Um, yeah. Anyway, these, these wines from Lava Maya, um, all Tempranillo based. You know, various. Um, so from sort of like softer entry level to slightly older, more roke, just the, it, it, the fruit that she was pulling out. And it, often with Tempranillo, mm. I think we lose, we know Tempranillo through the medium of Rioja. Rioja's about oak a lot of the time. Yep. So sometimes you can lose the real purity of the fruit of the variety. Not always. That's exactly. a very broad blanket yeah. statement. Um but, you know, we, we saw it in Argentina. All the Malbec was coming in really heavily oaked. And then at some point, you know, producers like Sebastian Sicardi went, well, why don't I just, like, not put oak on this and let the fruit sing? And everybody went, yeah, well, that's an awesome idea. Let's do it. Um, this, Phil Crozier was... tastes was, quite nice, actually. Yeah, this is this is tasty. Um, so all of these all of these wines were, were doing that from Lardemai. They were, they were wonderful. There was a, a Garnacha, um, 50-year-old vine Garnacha, 800 meters above sea level um and mm-hmm. only 900 bottles of it made in the 2020 vintage which is what we tasted um and it was i've written here it was, it's it's sort of classic garnacha enough but it was it was classy so it had that mm. it was almost that big blousy thing but it, it had the refrain enough to to bring freshness and like really vibrant acidity um fabulous stuff there was a wonderful producer from Utiel, um Rakenia, Valentius, Sela uh, Cataruth. Um, really interesting Verdejo Viognier blend. Like, no one's oh. done that anywhere. No. Verdejo no. and Viognier. And Why? Does it you, work? Well, that, the first question you ask is you go, no one's done that. No one's done it for a reason, perhaps. Um, There's an element of that. Isn't there? Um, like, I don't know, planting Rondo in England or something. Um, or, you but, know, uh, Pinotage in Wiltshire. Oh, Pinotage in... Just Pinotage. <laughs> well, I was with you following on from last week's episode, and I'm a big fan of you, Nina, and I, I respect her enormously. The depth of her knowledge is 
I aspire to have as much wine knowledge as, as Yanina does. She's she's tremendous. However, you know, like she's a Pinotage fan and she's confessing to it. Yeah. Like publicly saying, it's, Oh, Pinotage is nice. Oh, come on. I have worked out the best the best food match for Pinotage. It's a bin fire. Yeah, rubber. Uh, yeah, I was yeah, going. I was going with. I was going with tire fire. Tire, yeah, just go down like Silverstone after the Formula One. Get all those tires they've finished using. Yeah. Set fire to them. Burn them. And and, yeah. and actually, save your money. You wouldn't have to buy a bottle of peanuts. I should get the same. Mm. Oh, do you like isoamyl acetate? Do you? Yeah, have I got something mm. for you? Here we go. Yeah. Dreadful. Anyway, Heston Blumen Blumenthal's got nothing on you, mate. He's absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, anyway, sell the Cataros. This this Verdejo Viognier. It, it both it nice? varieties contributed to the blend. They both really yeah. sh- you, you could tell what each variety bought. It was a fifty-fifty blend, but they were seamlessly nice? together. So it wasn't yeah, like yeah. okay, I've got to, I, technically I've actually got two wines here doing two different things. They're not talking to each other. No, the, these two are in a very happy, sustained, sustainable relationship where each party was thoroughly satisfied with what was happening. Um, so you got all the, you know, the drizzled honey. You got the nectarines and honey blossoms, but you also got this peachiness, fresh lime, grapefruit, real great Vedeco acidity. Um, yeah. That really linear kind of saline thing, racy, but all of that floral stuff that Viognier brings to a blend just sat like like weaved in and out of everything else, but okay, but perfectly not in a disjointed way. Um, it was fabulous. Did you really enjoy it then? Yeah, it was all right, I suppose. You know, would you buy some? Yeah, I would. Actually, I would. You would. I would buy it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not accustomed to spending money on wine. That's why I joined the wine trade. But no, I, you know, I, I, I would. I would. Um, who else? Here? Really interesting producer in Galicia, um, doing you know some really nice Godellos, some nice um, lovely blend, blend Menthia and Brancello blend. So started to see varieties that. And we know that's one of the things about wine. That's, that's one that doesn't. I can't instantly well, I, imagine I, what that. I like. thought he was in the Godfather, but that was that was Brando. Um, <laughs> so it, it wasn't him. But it, also a, a wine called, or a wine made from 100% Caño Longo, uh, which what I have been called that? before, um, but it was just before I left the hood. Um, never heard of it. Uh, red red variety, uh, the wine here. I'm just looking back over my notes. You know, bright, juicy, fresh, but like this dusky fruit, kind of smoky, dusky, but but clean, not dirty, not rubbery, not not overly earthy. Um, yeah. I guess like a nice herbaceous line. Lots of very vibrant fruit, quite weighty. You know, it had substance to it. Uh, but I've written again, great fresh acid. Like all of these wines really fresh and this one in particular had you know lots of crunchy red currants cranberries kind of softly structured tannins that grew um I, i've written here that i like that one very much um so i would i nice. would buy that anticipating your next question um here well oh here we go uh sonda arero um the wines made by julia bande and, and excuse my i can't speak english let alone any other language um I've written here at the top, so I've gone through and tasted all her wines, and I've written at the top, like these, imaginative, forward-thinking, and dynamic. So 
interesting blend. So the first one I tried was a Treshadura Lardo Larrera blend. It's like, okay, that immediately makes it interesting. Now, mm-hmm. you, you've got to back it up, but she did. Uh, tropical fruit, stony fruit, like the fruit moved. So at first you'd get like a really bright citrusy, zesty thing. And then you could yeah. feel the fruit ripening, getting a nice crunchy green apple thing, and then becoming stony and tropical. Um, and I tell, what I really liked about what she was doing here, which is something I've seen um, a couple of people doing, but but you know not huge amounts of them. Um, she had a blanco añadas, and it was a, a non-vintage blend still. A blend of 2017, 2019, 2020. It's a very similar blend oh, in terms cool. of, you know, Treasure Lado, Lorera. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I've seen Karen Mussey do this out in Argent. Karen Mussey is one of my absolute winemaking heroes. Like, real, real hmm. hero. Not that I know, I know nothing about winemaking, but it's just something about him, his ethos, what he does. I'm a huge, huge fan. And he does, uh, he makes a, a, a non vintage white and a non vintage red blend. Actually, I mentioned Condor wines earlier, who were part of this big tasting coming up. Uh, his wines come in through Condor, uh, Bodegas Alandes, uh, and Alta Cedro wines. Phenomenal wines. Get them tasted. Absolutely brilliant wine. Yeah. Um, anyway, this Zuni Bande, and she's made this Blancognada, so it's a, a, a non vintage blend. And it was just, she said, initially she, she was sort of quite playful. It was like, oh, I just found this old barrel and it had some liquid in it. I thought I'd use it. And I went, ah, come on, come on, that's a good story. She was like, look, climate change. It's a problem. You know, the, the climate yeah. isn't consistent. And I can't consistently make the same wine year to year. Not that I, you know, she's not a volume producer. She doesn't want to make barefoot every vintage. But barefoot no. have access to so much fruit that it's easy for them to mitigate the effects of climate change through volume. Very much so. You know, a, a small producer like this can't do that. So she's going. One of the things I can do for consistency and creativity is to, you know, hold some stuff back and create non-vintage. Like hell, they do it in champagne, right? They've been doing it yeah, for a yeah. long time. It just happens to be fizzy. Why can we not do this with still whites and reds? So she had um, the Blanco Añadas, uh, and there was a Tinto Añadas. So the same idea. And so what she does is she makes sort of like a, a, a single vintage blend. Uh, across the white and the red and then she keeps stuff back and also makes this non-vintage blend so the red nice. the, the still red was a was a Caigno and Caigno and Susan and Farron and Brancelli so all again really cool interesting weird varieties you don't see anywhere else and then she made that as a, a blend of 16 18 and 20 um dark fruit five spice I've written here that it's poised, it's precise, it's elegant, you know, really supple tannins, juicy, crunchy fruit. Um, so the, the producer there is called Sonda Herrero. Again, we'll, we'll tag them in the copy. Um, mm. and, and I'll, you know, we'll tag in Flaves of Spain. So, you know, if, if you are interested in tasting just some really cool, interesting wines, if you're into Spain, you know, hit up Anna, hit up Flaves of Spain. If, if you're London way, check out Le Culto Restaurant. All these wines are available there. And you can have something to eat as well. Ferg, I'm thinking we should tap up Anna uh, and do a live episode. Take Anna to dinner in her restaurant. Oh, yeah, eat, no, that drink. sounds good, doesn't um, it? I'm, I'm sure she'd, um, she'd be up for it. She, wonderful character, personality, very passionate about what she does, very knowledgeable. Um, and the, the other producer, oh, there's, there's, I'm, I'm going to, just name one more producer. Um, this was Bodega Toledo. Um, okay. And they are uh, La Mancha. Uh, La Mancha, you know, the world's single 
largest vineyard area. Not known yeah, yeah. for quality stuff, right? I think actually last week the the wine Yanina was drinking we tasted, from was from we tasted La Mancha, La Mancha, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, as established last week, there are good wines there, but it's not a region known for for quality by any stretch. You know, it's it's where most of the world's Iren is planted. Um, but they had a Iren, which was you know, actually, I've got here sort of smoky, slight oxidative character to it, but you know that's what it was going for, um, and it had some time on the skins. Very, very short period of time, uh, but sometime nonetheless, a um, few days with the yeast. So, so I like that. It was clean and fresh, but it had just a little bit of something underneath it. But then what I loved about this producer was I tasted a 100% Verdoncho, which is a white variety, and that was made as an orange wine. Never heard of it. Uh, a red 100% Tinto Velasco, mm-hmm. another red 100% Brujadera, and that... Um, absolutely loved that it had this there's a thing i like about the northern rhone where you get that black olive tapenade savory okay yeah, yeah, yeah. herbal shit going on i'm like i'm all mm-hmm. i'm all about that give me that oh do you want really bright fruit fuck off no i want this like dark earthy olive thing um and this 100 brucidera so it's quite a thick skin grape um, but it's very crunchy. It's good acidity by, by all accounts from mm-hmm. the, the producer. Um, dark cherry, black olive, thyme, rosemary. I've written that it was deep. It was intense. Had black roses, autumn flowers. I've I've written um, more about this one. I've written quite a lot on all the wines I tasted, but I've written substantially more about this specific wine. Um, mm. So I was clearly very impressed. They, they had a Garnacha Tintorera, which I've come across sort of that before um the last producer i tasted was bodega ojuel um from rioca and their winemaker was named young winemaker of the year by tim atkin in 2018 so he's probably all right he's probably knows his way around a press or three yeah he's probably seen a bunch of grapes in his time um Mm -hmm. but again a, a lot of their stuff because of what it was it didn't fit within the the rules and the remit of the doca um so some of it was sort of in inverted commas, downgrade. It's not downgraded when you do that. Um, Deregged. But it didn't, it, it degraded. It didn't fit into the standard rules. Um, mm. a, a, a 100% Calagrano, which is a white grape not legally permitted. Um, really Excellent. interesting. 100% Tempranillo nice. white. 100% Maturana. They have the, the oldest vineyards of Maturana in Spain and, and, they go, and therefore the world. Um, fabulous, toasty. I've just written, oh, wow, love this savoury herbal concentrated dark fruit. So pretty good. Sounds um, nice. And, and there were there were more producers there to taste, but that was as far as I got. A huge thanks to, to Anna, Flaves of Spain, everybody that was there on the day, organising, talking, all the producers that came in from Spain. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get to this. Um, fabulous tasting. Small specialist importers. I think I think the trade's becoming more and more polarised, especially with events of as we record this today, the duties changed. I think we're going to see more polarisation, and I think we're going to see more lower end, big bulk stuff. But I think we're going to see a certain amount of wine drinkers going right. Where's the really interesting stuff? I'm going to buy less wine than I've ever bought, but I, do you know what? I will buy interesting. And for those yeah. niche of people who are doing that, you know, suppliers like Flaves of Spain, brilliant. I did the I didn't do it. I mean, there were a hundred wines there to taste of all sorts of styles and prices, sweet wines, fizz, um, brilliant. Look up Flaves of Spain, great range, really well thought out. 
lovely portfolio. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Well, Drops nicely Mike. reviewed, mate. Yeah, no, you have literally just nailed that toasting, haven't you? Well, I, th- I just needed to get around. I think what Anna should do is put it on again so I could go back and do the other half of the room. Well, the the next iteration is next week, right? It was a year ago, no? Well, <laughs> it's longer than that. It's taken me that long to get to it. Um, <laughs> dreadful. But a brilliant, brilliant uh, tasting. No, it, sound, it sounds fascinating. It sounds like you tried some seriously cool wines. So, yes. no, hats off. I certainly um, did. I certainly did. Yeah, um, bloody hell! What I um, what I didn't do, and I, 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 I was going to bring into the conversation, and we we hadn't sort of prepared mm. this one. Um, you know, one of the reasons I, I wasn't on last week, it's just been so horrendously busy. So two weeks ago, I was in Scotland, uh, pretty much all week, and then down in York, uh, did a lot of miles. Um, I've been presenting. I mean, that's my job, right? I present present wine, whether it's formal WSET, informal, bespoke, whatever. Um, but on Friday, just gone, as we record this, I went out to host a consumer event. Oh, yeah. Um, and I have to say, I think it's the worst I've, not I've ever been, but it's the worst I've been in a decade. I was dreadful. I was oh. awful. Now, the reason I know I was, or it was interesting because often if I do a taste, you're always looking for what did you do wrong or what could you improve. However good a tasting is, you always come out yeah. and go, right, what what would have made that better? What didn't I get right? Because there's always something. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can, if you've done a tasting, you know it's not gone well. It can take a little bit of figuring out. You know, like, well, I, I know yeah, I yeah. wasn't very good tonight, but what what was it? Was it a particular line? Was it a piece? Was it the structure? Whatever. As soon as I got in the car at the end of this tasting, I went, I know why this was awful. I'm just so tired. I'm running on few. I I am running on caffeine, breath mints, and the promise of a good steak every now and again at the minute. That's all I'm running on. Um, Stop. Obviously, this could be worse. I mean, we mentioned that, you know, we mentioned some blow earlier. We're going to have to get over to Colombia on a. Why don't we go to South Korea via Colombia? Or maybe the other way around. That, I think with the with the importation, sure it might be easier to do flights that way around. They must do surely, and if they don't, they should lay them on TM and TM. Be like Led Zeppelin when they had their own aircraft. We'll get the TM and TM logo on it. Oh you know, yeah, out That'd be faces. Nice. I mean, we'd only have to sell like five percent of our mug inventory to be able to afford that. Oh yeah, yeah. Good margin on mugs. Nobody talks about that. Great margins <laughs> on mugs. Not if Especially you're not selling them. No margin at all, but when they're moving, oh, hey? are we making bumps? <laughs> the margin on mugs. <laughs> anyway, I got in. So I'm running on you. I got in the car and I realised that the, the reason it was awful was there was no narrative structure. My brain, it was like fireworks going off with every single. I was just pulling stuff out. I, I I always try and build in a narrative structure. Now it's not it's not always apparent. But as long as I know what I'm doing, I'm quite happy. Often I do a tasting, and to be honest, people, like, they don't understand what I'm doing. Most audiences don't. They, they sort of go, this bloke looks like he's never done this before, right? <laughs> um, but look, it's, the reason for that, Fleg, is I, I host what I like to call jazz wine tastings, right? It, it's something ah, that, so you know... So you're playing your jazz flute? Whilst, whilst still demonstrably a wine tasting... By using improvisation and chance procedure, it operates at the very limit of what a wine tasting can be, 
right? That's that's what I like to do. Um, so I, I sort of try and build in a narrative structure at some point. So I can talk about six or eight online individual wines, but somehow string together a whole thing. But on Friday, I was so tired. I hadn't had, had time to prepare or make notes. I knew the wines I was showing. You know, I'd never be unprepared in, the, in that respect. I, I, I do have no, some respect for the audiences that turn up. Not much of it, but I do have some. But I mean, because I wasn't able to sit you. and just, just figure out a, like the narrative structure of it, I was fucking all over. What I, what I thought I could do to make myself feel better is say that I was trying to do like a Christopher Nolan deliver it in a non-linear structure, but I'm not that clever and that's not what happened. Um, but what was amazing was the crowd. Like Undeservedly, I had the most generous and kind crowd they so as I was doing the close, anybody does this. That's done a presentation. You get you do your last wine and you do a sort of you know uh, thanks very much. I, I've really enjoyed it. And that for me is always the bit where I it's the hardest to deliver because I've spent the whole two hours playing a character and I then have to be really sincere because I'm very sincere when I say you know, I wouldn't. I, I'm un, undeservedly privileged. And I get to do this for a living and it's something that really it, it's not just fun for me. Like, it means something deeply that I'm able to do this. And I, and I mean it sincerely, but I'm only able to do it because people like you have sufficient interest to come out on a Friday night and listen to a bloke who can't dress himself and combs his hair with a spoon, right? And that's hard to do because I spent the entire two hours just berating them for not drinking the correct wines and whatever. But they were all... Like, they started applauding midway through that little speech. They've already started applauding mm. and saying nice things. And I had to berate them and say, right, you've clearly not understood this. I don't like people being nice to me. Fucking stop it. Um, so they just applauded louder, which was really frustrating. But it is led me really to think... Game? You know, it's like when I no, tell it's you not. how competent I think it's you are. Awful. And like, it's you know, awful. How, how impressed I am with your sort of depth and breadth of knowledge on everything from this, rec- you know, this recording South is America. Over. There we go. Um, you know, it's and, then, and then, you know... Been, I've like, really enjoyed doing this really Fergus. lovely guy. I really... I just, I'm, I'm muting you now. I'm muting you now, Fergus. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I think I have, I think I've achieved a world first in in wine, because mm. I know that I am my own worst critic. I, I fully acknowledge that. I think everyone <laughs> knows that you are your own worst however, critic. However, on this occasion, I was genuinely awful. I, I was Bet just I, I, no, I really was. It was not good. I wasn't happy with my performance. Um, you know how I got. You know, I just wasn't happy with how I delivered any of the material. Um, and it's great that the, the, the audience seemed to genuinely enjoy it. And actually, I got requests for more taste, which is great. And I'm thrilled oh, they enjoyed it. But more tasting. It was not, it wasn't good enough. But what I think I've achieved, I think I've, they, they enjoyed it so much, I'm absolutely convinced they were watching a totally different presentation. So what I've actually done is delivered wine's equivalent of the OJ Simpson trial. Nice. Nice. Was that build up all for that line? Basically. Cool. But it was all true. It's all a true story. That's that's what I mean. Was. The but. fact the fact that people have booked you back in after your worst tasting ever. So implies so that, implies no nah, nah, no. So it, it raises the question. You set, you've set the bar very high. It raises the question. Hmm. Do consumers know what a good wine tasting should be? And indeed, do we as wine professionals know what that should be? Are we in a situation where it's the Wittgenstein thing? Right, the the, mm. the limit of my wor- words is the limit of my world. Are we operating from two totally different parameters and definitions? So, 
general public think this, we think that, and at the minute, never the twain shall meet. Mm. So what I've done is accidentally deliver what the public want. And and I'm absolutely not prepared to commit to that. I'm not. Get, I'm not here. To, I don't want anyone to make the mistake of thinking that I'm there to entertain them. You're going to appear on like um, you know those really shit ads that you get for for podcasts where you pay, and it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, join me as I show you the secrets that the wine trade don't want me to release about tastings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, please send me Bitcoin. Y- y- um, yeah, you know. I think it's. I think you've got it. Maybe it, that's it's it. those. Let's cut out the middleman Instagram bollocks. Oh fuck me! Goth. I hate that one. You I are can't. a middleman. You are Just a middleman. You're literally but, a middleman. But, Unless you're the vineyard, you're a middleman. For a long time, the trade has got away with it because how many merchants, independent mm. merchants, who we know and love mm. and respect. Sorry, we know and love and respect the indie trade on this pod. I've got to be careful how I phrase this because it sounds like I'm attacking someone we might know and I'm not. That's not my intention. We love the indie. The indie trade is fucking where it's at all day long, right? But there are indie merchants out there who play the, oh, yeah, I'm a good indie. I go out and I source all this myself. No, you don't. You go to a trade taste and you buy it from Alliance, which is great because Alliance have got some brilliant wines and you're getting them into the hands of the public. That's awesome. Mm. But don't play the, oh, no, I, you know... Once a year, I, I, you know, I have to go to Bordeaux and taste all the wine to decide what. No, you just, you just buy it from Grand Chai or whoever else. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. it's slightly disingenuous, isn't it? But yeah, it has happened. But you know, let so I mean, let's it's, be real it's about the ones it. where it's like, oh, buy buy this Whispering Angel at half the retail price, yeah, and then it shows you a retail price that in no way reflects so again, what you're actually seeing on the shelves. So the reason I mention like the indie trade, because I talk to a lot of consumers, go, oh, my local wine merchant, he goes off and sources it all himself. Because that's not quite what he's doing. But if, if you, it's that, again, it's those parameters. If we, we're thinking one thing, they're thinking another. <gasps> Who knows? But yes, Ooh. the problem is the, um, oh, Verve Clicquot is, no, is normally £5,000 in your local supermarket. I'll do it to you for a is fiver. It is it? But, although I, I have some thoughts on the pricing of champagne and uh, some possible opportunities that might bring. But Maybe that is to carbonate their wine. I think they should just make it all Charmat method and take down Prosecco. I think mm. that's what the, I think that's the trick the Champenoise are missing. I think that's what the market needs. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Kentish wine balls. Nice. Kentish wine balls. Turn down again. Again. Turn down again. I mean, it's almost as if building a massive winery in the middle of an AOMB is in some way contentious. I've never thought of that. Mm. Do we know? Do we know? They keep going... <laughs> go on, no, go on. Go on. It's, it's the bit where they keep going, well, we need this for our harvest and you're like yes I understand that you need a winery to make your wine but do you need to put it here? Do you need to build it exactly there? Could it not be somewhere else? I mean Nightingale they have a beautiful beautiful pressing facility um, and and then and then all the winemaking happens on an industrial estate in Crawley I mean Still works it, Still works. I mean, it's nineteen, but they're they're they're, they're good. They make nice yeah. wines. I I, um, I don't know if you, they do make nice. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Um, mm. I'm going to reveal the levels of my nerdery here, but I think everybody knows I'm a total sado nerd anyway. I don't know if you've noticed this, but 
I think Brad Greatrix bears a striking striking resemblance to Anson Mount, the actor currently playing Captain Pike in the new Star Trek show. You see, uh, you had me at Anson Mount. I sort of vaguely know the face, but then you said Star Trek. Well, was... well, he, well, he, he, <laughs> he, he looks like Brad Greatrix, basically. Imagine an actor that looks like Brad Greatrix. And, they, and you've got a friend, Anson Mount. Friend of mine, years ago, a friend of mine said, oh, I've got, I've got a new boyfriend. I was like, oh, that's great. What's he like? He said, he looks like one of the proclaimers. I went, no, he, he looks like both of them or neither <laughs> of them. They're twins. <laughs> but yes, Brad, Brad Gregtrix um, of Night in the Fame looks, it could be commanding the Starship Enterprise. Could be, isn't. He's and and there's, there's a crossover the... English wine science fiction match made in heaven here, surely. Mm. I mean, I thought he was uh, captaining the cargo ship Harima, uh, but yeah, that was the opposite Klingon vessel, wasn't it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that that joke was certainly clinging on to something. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, that got rejected. That's a shame. Oh well. Um, yeah, uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> oh, they'll have to find somewhere well, else to has, make their statements. It's been. Any any articles about English wine you've read that have piqued your interest at all of late? Oh, no, not really, mate. Not really, no, mate. Not as really far as I'm thing, aware, it? it's all going. Nah, I don't really do English wine. I just um, I just do the pod these days. Um, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of all I'm about. Uh, you've played so you... the world's longest game, haven't you? You just wanted to set up a wine podcast. You're like, what's the easiest way to make that happen? I know, I'll become a winemaker in England. Mm, yeah, that's what I thought. What I thought I'd do is spend 10 years learning how to be a winemaker and, you know, pick up a tertiary degree in, in, in viticulture and oenology and, you know, work my way up the ranks so that I could I could have a quarter of the credibility that you do um, so that we could start this podcast. My credibility, so that would that would give you negative credibility. Uh, and I'm pretty sure... Find and, that, uh, anyway, Jane, Jamie Good's never said anything nice about the, me. Oh, he has actually. Well, that's, he might. That's unfair. Yeah, there you go. He said. Yeah. He said. He said nice things about you, ones. didn't he? As, as Polly Hammond alluded to when we were on um, the Italian Wine podcast. Yeah, he did say some nice stuff, didn't he? It was quite nice. Um, yeah. yeah. He, he did once call me a genius. Very generous. Did he? Yeah, I've what got. I've got do? footage. Of, and and Tim Atkin once called me brilliant. Yes. No. However, I, 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 I like to balance this out by saying that Liam Stevenson, Master of Wine, once said, "What on earth have I done to deserve being on the table with you?" Well, yeah, I mean, most people have that reaction when you come to their yeah. table. Su- Susie Atkins, the delightful, mm-hmm. wonderful Susie Atkins, said it's like having a child on the judging panel. So she now calls me Lee Child. <laughs> I, I really hope that's how she's got me. I really hope that's how she's got me in her phone. I don't know if she has on Lee Child. Um yeah, so yeah, um, so yeah, those poor guys—they're going to have to find another place to put their massive winery, or they'll yeah. just do what they. You got any? I, you got I, any land? You got any land going begging? Mate, mate I've planted everything. It's, there's nothing left. I've got nothing left, and also, you know, I've got no particular desire to help them plant yet more. No, that's, no, I'm, I'm with you. So, with, so t- I mean, talking of that, you, you planted everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to, to ask you um, for your thoughts 
on this vintage, such as it is, because my sort of brief mm. summary of this summer so far is shit, wet, yeah. windy, cold. How's how are things looking for you, and and what's the general feedback from other growers and and producers, you know, that you talk to? What what's it all shaping up to look like? Yeah, no tricky one that. Um, I mean, what's quite scary? So, so we talked. We've talked earlier in the earlier in the earlier in the year about 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 yield and about about what the harvest is looking like. And you know, the crop out there is is quite big, and we were all quite excited. We had that wonderful June, uh, which meant fruit set's very good. The crop is is sizable by English wine standards. It's very sizable, and that's good mm-hmm. because. Well, frankly, we're selling more than we're making, and I really, I really need, I really need a big harvest. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, July came, and well, it's not stops raining, has it? Um, so no. disease pressure is is through the roof. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to work with. Um, crop's still there the crop is still healthy i've seen patches of downy mildew and things like that in some in some places but always dried out because the spray program is pretty robust um it's not an easy vintage at the Mm -hmm. moment and it's that's that's not an easy vintage by english wine standards you know it's (laughs) no vintage is easy for us but this is particularly particularly tricky um Mm -hmm. because there's a crop there and and, you know we need we need that crop to come in yeah um and to do that we need it to be clean and yeah there's a there's a bit of a i'm starting to get nervous i could do with i could do with i don't know eight weeks of sun Mm -hmm. um but that that feels unlikely that being said it could be worse i could be out west um it's even wetter out there pressure's even higher Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, we've got sites in Essex that are still quite dry, <laughs> um, okay. you know. Uh, so it's it's a bit of a curate's egg at the moment. You've got a nice big whack of crop out there, which is great, um, but it's a bit worrying to think about getting that crop into the winery. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. So, um, what are the? You know, we're all at the. We're at the mercies of the environment. You can't control the weather. Um, Absolutely, we, we know that. Actually, I was I was doing some training yesterday, and I was talking about hail, and it's, you know this really mm. inter- interesting question. It's like, well, well, how do producers deal with that? Like, don't I tell you how? I tell oh. you how best to deal with hail? Plant somewhere where it doesn't hail. Done. Yeah. But yes. you know, given obviously you've got a crop, mm-hmm. um, you know, mildew's a potential. What are the steps over the next sort of? eight weeks to, to mitigate, minimise? I mean, there's certain things that like, if there's just a massive deluge, you can't do anything about that. But, you know, yeah. what, what steps are going to be taken to try and minimise potential risk or damage? Um, for us, uh, my big focus has been on fruit zone and getting the canopy strips back. So we've been leaf stripping for the last month. Um, we're clearing the, the leaf all the way around the bunches and this allows for better air circulation when the sun does shine it means it's shining directly on the grapes which is great Mm -hmm. Uh, we're in england anywhere else problem here fine um better spray penetration which is again good you know if you're spraying stuff 
sprays are expensive. You know, mm. we're not, it's that classic thing. We're not organic. We don't grow to any particular principles, but that doesn't mean that we're not painfully aware of how much it costs to use these sprays. And especially, mm-hmm. you know, some of these prophylactic um, mildew sprays, they are a, a big chunk of wedge. And so you want them to be as effective and 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 penetrative as possible. And the easy way to do that is to clear those fruit zones, make sure there's nice clear roots through so that the spray can land on the fruit and land in the areas where it's most needed. Uh, so we're doing that. Um, and then, yeah, no, it's canopy management. That's, that's all you can do is just keep maintaining, keep looking after, don't miss a spray round, be disciplined. It's boring. It's be boring. Do your job. Do your job well and keep going. And, you know, if that means they're leaf stripping in the rain, then they're leaf stripping in the rain because we, it's got to be done. Got to get it clear. And, and yeah, and that's, that's the, that's the, that's the thing with, with, with grape growing. And I, that's what I loved about it. I, I did, I've done, I've done my time in the vineyard, I, you know, and I loved it. Um, but you do spend a lot of time doing the same job all day. Yeah. <laughs> and then then you do it for another three months <laughs> and you're like wow <laughs> um, but at the same time you know there's there's a there's a bit of variation they can go and um, thin out the new the new plantings because obviously you want to mm-hmm. take that down to a single cane so you know that's exciting um, you know we've planted nearly 16,000 vines and they're going to have to go through that by hand so that'll be fun for them Um and it's clay, so you know the fact that it's rained a lot means it's all claggy. Oh, so it's not just muddy; fun. it's claggy. No. Yeah, your feet get stuck. Uh, it's like horrible, isn't sake. it? It's July. It's now August as well, isn't it? So that's yeah. nice. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. It's. I'm. I. I'm sounding very doom and gloomy. Um, I don't necessarily feel that. I. You know. I. I know come monday the weather's due to change um i know the crops there mm-hmm. i know that our growers are phenomenal i know that everyone we work with really does understand fruit because they're you know even the people who are fairly new to grapes have been growing apples or cherries yeah. or pears all their lives so they know what they're doing Everyone if you know how to grow something right the principles are broadly the same it's just learning the, the yeah. minutiae of that specific fruit exactly and so you know i think it'd be nice if august was hot and dry and you never know with a bit of luck it will be mm-hmm. um and then and then we're on for and we're on for something pretty pretty big um that might be a sparkling wine vintage <laughs> <laughs> well we run the risk don't we you know 20 30 years down the line of that thing in bordeaux where they go oh it's a restaurateur's vintage so it was crap then Right, the only people who <laughs> might stand a chance of selling it is just scamming unwitting customers. Yes, uh, yeah. How yes. how was that vintage in England? Oh, it was just bathroom wine vintage. Oh, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, still... 21, 21 sparklings were great though I I, yeah. I stand by that. I made some really nice ones. I'm actually well, drinking it's... not one of mine. I'm drinking a. Um, I know we're, we're not really doing and actually well, no, it's no, got no label. What so, are we? Uh, and again, it's an audio experience. So as you yeah, do with every that, recording, you show too. it to the camera. Um, yeah, but yeah, folks, this so, this week, what have you mostly been drinking? What you got? I'm actually I've almost finished um, a half bottle uh, from a local producer called Herbert Hall, who are just down the road mm-hmm. from Balfour, literally just down the road. I think I can get there in under five minutes. Um, 
made by the uh, using what what method of transport by by foot by helicopter you know like Rishi Sunak if you're going somewhere I know he doesn't he doesn't use one of those does he although he's the driver's friend anyway sorry we shouldn't get political I mean yeah I mean yeah but also kind of he probably he's not going to fly easy jet is he what kind of annoyed me I was like we 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 pay for the RAF we pay for these planes. Put him in the bloody plane, and yeah. then he can go and make some shit decisions somewhere else. I mean, um, yeah, you just have to look at the... he could fly to Rwanda. That would be good. Yeah. He could go yeah. there. And, he could take then... Suella Braverman with him and leave her there. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I are there personally... any other particularly nasty Tories? I mean, most of them could fit on that plane, <laughs> Pretty right? Much basically Tories, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I voted what's, for what's it say? Personally, well, we know you like... Running through fields of wheat. Um, okay. Is it uh, her, her, her voicemail? I don't, did you ever listen to Dead Ringers? And yes. Theresa May, Theresa May's voicemail yep. was leave you me, me, leave a message, and Theresa May get back to you. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. My show. favorite one though was the Gove one, where it's like, <laughs> nice to Gove you, nice to Gove you, Gove you. when when Angela Eagle launched an ill-advised and inept attempt to take down Corbyn? Yeah, the, the episode that around that week. That, I mean, they're absolutely skewered. But it was I, I was dri- <laughs> I was driving to a tasting. And I had to pull over because I nearly crashed. I was laughing <laughs> that much. At the, the, first of all, the quality of the impressions is spectacular. But to Unreal. write to write stuff that funny, that satirical, that quickly, mm. it is uh, is beyond me. But um, it, anyway, I, what I was going to say about Rishi Sunak, I think you, you have to question that any decisions made by an individual who is that wealthy and lives a stone's throw from Savile Row, yet still chooses to have his suits cut the way he does. Like, the trousers Ooh. and sleeves are, like, at least three or four centimetres too short. Yeah, but what is he, is he doing? trying to, like, you know, appeal to the I, youth. I, I am aware I'm the last person that should be giving any form of fashion advice. Um, I mean... Or, indeed, advice of any say. kind... However, I, I I can't take him seriously simply because of the cut of his suit. It's dreadful, yeah. and and it's not well, like all right, he's short, he's just it, a wanker. It, well, I mean that. Secondly, yes, um, but the you know, party that's totally devoid of talent and it's, and yeah. morals and scruples, and wow, yeah. we've got real political. Order this is fuck this, the stories, this, uh, this, this, <laughs> and and coming from you as well. I mean, that's got like. Yeah, Listeners I, might I, expect I, that from me, right? We go, oh yeah, oh here we go. Here's the Northern. I'm a socialist. Yeah, I'm working mm. class. You know, despite the oh. fact that I buy quince paste from M and S, I am I'm fucking working class. All right, um, yeah, yeah, and I like truffle oil, but that's allowed. Yeah, yeah. that's allowed. Yeah, working, working class, class people yeah. can like opera. You know, mm. that's allowed as well. But we'd expect yeah. that statement from me, from you, from you know the the person who some might expect to be a generic farmer, but turns out to be Downton Abbey. <laughs> There's um there's a, a wonderful book I read. I'll, I'll um bring it down to you. Uh, it's called How Do- I Say Wonderful. It's not a wonderful book. Uh, How Democracies Die. It's written by two Harvard um, politics professors, oh, and nice. it, it it's obviously it's published before Sunak's tenure, but it, mm. and and it's not specifically obviously about American or British politics, but it's about politics as a whole and what actually those people should represent first and foremost is is democracy. Um, and essentially how basically everywhere it's not really happening. Um, mm. I'm paraphrasing the book, obviously written by yeah. two 
Harvard professors. They they were slightly more articulate, eloquent, and nuanced. Were they? Mate? The statement I've just made. Were they? You know, well, I so they you know, just say you know, democracy is kind of what they should be upholding because you know they're rooted in and that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Well, look, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a lecturer at Regent's University. Surely, full politics professor at Harvard is the next is the next log, next logical step. Surely, I mean, I'd call it a step down for you, mate. Well, you know, but I want to I, I want to give back. It, it is American. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Couldn't. I, have we got any American memory. listeners? We we do actually have American listeners. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, I'll bring up the stats, but let's let's keep talking about wine stuff. What were we talking about? Um, um well, uh, so yeah. we, we've talked about the vintage, but, and so yeah, the vintage isn't looking great, but I don't think it's it, it ain't over yet. Um, and you know, we've had tough vintages before, and we've had tough vintages that have been quite big yeah. before you know we yeah. can, i remember 20, you know, 2012 is, was much the, the the summer was far worse than what we've had so far yeah and actually you know with the exception of nightimber who famously didn't pick yeah and yep. and they didn't that. pick because they didn't have any crop not because of a quality issue that's just just oh, sorry brad allegedly 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 that's why they didn't pick um so, yeah, you know, everyone else managed to get a crop of some description, um, somehow. Uh, some friends become enemies. So, yeah, no, Brad's my friend. <laughs> <coughs> dear listener, <laughs> here comes the narrator. Dear listener, you're listening to this after the pod recorded. Brad is no longer his friend. <laughs> Um, Remember, Ferg, there's always money in the banana stand. There is always. We have four listeners in the United States. My word. Six listeners in the Netherlands. Three in Chile, two in Australia. um, One in the Philippines. I I would genuinely love to know who these people are and interact with them and and get their names out there. Should they want that? I mean, they might be in the witness protection program. We're not allowed to do that. Fair enough. That's true. Um, but, but we wow. could also send. We will send you a mug. We will send you a mug. Do you I'm know not that, sure but, how we'll make that happen? Let's I mean, let, make America great again. Let's make America TM and TM mugs and send them there. Yeah, or yeah. get them made in America and shipped from America to. That's America. probably easier. Yeah, it's probably cheaper. I, I think. I think um, selling and distribution of mugs in America. It's a three tier system, right? Because you've yeah. got sort of federal, and, state, and local, state, yeah, state rights as well. Yeah, and, and there's, there's a famous story, isn't there, of, of a guy uh, who was trying to go from I know nothing about American geography. He was trying to go from like Manhattan to Rhode Island, and he had a load of mugs in his boot, uh, and basically yep. they gave him the chair. I heard that. I yeah. heard that um, straight into the electric chair. <laughs> Literally the next but, day. But the problem, <laughs> but the, the the guy who owned the electric chair, his wife wouldn't let him plug it in. So, yeah, because he lives, isn't it? Um, <laughs> there, it is. there it is. So, but yeah, so vintage, vintage could be better. Could be, you know, it could be worse. I could have lost. We could have lost the whole. We could have lost it all in April in a frost. So, yeah. you know, there's 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 material out there. Just, there are grapes out there. We'll 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 get there. It'll be there. all right. 
that's good. Yeah, did you did you did you like um, that person's suggestion for the Harvest T-shirt? As if it was uh, like a Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going with that. I, oh, I right. you know, I, I need like a pithy. Also, I don't want I don't want people to think that I'm totally full of my own shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How about just a picture of Brad Greatrix? <laughs> with please be my friend again. No, just just a picture of him. But like, find the most random picture of him you can from Instagram, right? Maybe find and one just... of him skiing. Yeah, yeah. With a mask on, so people have to ask who's that skiing, and that would be great because <laughs> they'd go, "Oh, is that you skiing, Ferg?" And then you'd go, "No, no that's Brad Greatrix." Oh, who's Brad? And then you'd have to tell them all about Brad Greatrix. <laughs> Becomes a really long joke. Yeah, worth yeah, it. Totally yeah, worth it. definitely. So, yeah, I... actually. Yet another thing, uh, dear listener, um, specifically listener in the Philippines, come in number five, uh, if you have any suggestions for hilarious little one-line tags to go on the back of a Harvest t-shirt, please email us at themakerandthemerchant at gmail.com. I'm really pushing for this like audience participation thing, and now we know we have an audience of some description. You described this vintage as a curate's egg. So how about vintage 2023? (laughs) Curate's egg. Just that. Again, because it would take quite a lot of explanation. It's like nicknames. The best nicknames are the ones that take 20, 30 minutes to explain. This is true. This is very true. Would you like to guess how many listeners we have in Canada? Canada's not real. Surprising number. Four. Higher. <laughs> um, 24. 21. 21 listeners. I don't know anyone in Canada. 21 no, genuine, genuine idiots in Canada who tuned into us. They must be really short of entertainment out there. Do you think they were just looking for a different podcast? I d- the no, no one's... A- the Merca. The Merca. <laughs> you always mispronounce. <laughs> I can't get it right. It's, it, this and Rioca yeast. That should be actually. Rioca that should be this. Is bloody hard to if say. If the police pull you over because they think you've been not you specifically, if they pull someone over because they think they've been drinking, they shouldn't get to recite the alphabet backwards or touch the nose blindfolded. Just go, can you say Rioca yeast? Mm. You know, yeah. Uh, sure. The reven- revenues would. Um, they, they would, they would skyrocket. But the, so this vintage, I've yeah. read estimates of fifteen million ah, bottles, right? Yes, you've now, been reading YGB, haven't you? I, I, I have. It was hilarious. Mm. Um, so estimates of fifteen million bottles, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 broadly speaking, you know, production's been increasing in recent. That will surprise no one. Uh, YGB stats. So YGB stats suggest there are 3,928 hectares, which is a 74% increase in the last five years. But I'm aware mm-hmm. that these stats come from sort of the 97% of respondents of YGB who reply. So yeah, there's, there's, there's some ambiguity about the figures, I believe. Yeah, and you have to be a member of YGB to have replied. And they're, 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 So I know, you know, we, we touched on it briefly. There's an article that's in the press about how... English wine's just a massive wine lake and there's going to be, you know, we're not selling enough wine and there's too much wine. There are too many vines going into the ground and no one's selling anything and we're all fucked. 
Um, and could well be true. Um, could well be. I mean, what I know is that all YNGB's numbers are undercooked. So the amount of sales is looks low to me. Um, mm-hmm. But also so does the number of acres and hectares planted. I think that's yeah. out of that. That data is out of date and doesn't doesn't work because people who are just planting a vineyard might not necessarily have registered yet with mm-hmm. YGB. They certainly won't have registered yet with YGB because what's the point of being a member until you've actually got something to to sell? That's a very um, good point. Um, so I, I there s- is. The, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance required when you read through uh, the YGB report that they were so proud of. It was really sweet um, because they were so proud. They were like, "Oh, look, we've released this, and it's going to really help with our um, outreach to government, and people are going to really love this." And then, within three weeks, someone's looks at it and gone, "Ah, you made twelve million bottles, and you sold eight. Yeah, well, this was what I was going to bring up. Now, I, I got these stats from the Twitter feed of uh, Justin Howard Sneed, who's a, a, an MW. Mm-hmm. Um, makes Domain of the Bee. Yeah, yeah, Domain of the Bee. Great stuff, mate. Yeah. Makes other things as well. Um, well worth for if you're not following him on, on Twitter. He, he's heading up um, courses at, uh, I won't say it's Dartford, um, on regenerative viticulture. Really interesting. Well, well worth um, following Justin Howard Sneed for sure. But um, these figures I quote were, were from his Twitter feed. Twenty nine. This is sales of English wine by year. Twenty nineteen, five point five million bottles. Twenty twenty, seven point one million. Huge amount of traction behind English wine. Lots of social media press during lockdown that people got behind. So you know, no surprise mm-hmm. to see it. It's quite a considerable leap, but you know that's the power of, of, of the social media marketing during lockdown. Twenty twenty one, nine point three million bottles. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty two, eight million bottles. Yeah, big drop. Um, so what we're seeing, I, I, there were stats again in this YGB thing that if if planting continues at this rate and if those yields get worked at the rate that's uh, forecast and expected by twenty thirty five. That's 35 million bottle production, right? And currently yeah. sales are dropping. We've not we've not breached 10 million, so we're making loads. We're not selling enough. Okay, that now, yeah. nice problem. You'd rather be, I don't know. You'd rather be selling out, wouldn't you? Selling it all, but um, I think there's an opportunity here. So, okay. I'm I at, at this event I did <clears throat> on Friday. I got. I, I always get English wine into the conversation, even if I, I've, I've got English wine into a, a, a tasting that is of 100% Argentine wine, so I can get English wine into the conversation. Nicely done, mate. Like and, it. And, what did you say? Uh, I just went, this Argentine stuff's all right, but have, um, have you heard of Brad Drake tricks <laughs> at Nightimber? Um, I can get it, and often what I did, the way I do my tastings as well, whilst I, I might be there talking about a specific subject, in the close-up I usually go, has anyone got any like general wine questions? Because while I'm here, I be happy to try and answer them and invariably english wine will will come up and if it doesn't i will get it in there but i can guarantee whenever i'm going to talk about english wine i can guarantee that the 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 first and main objection i hear every single time and it's phrased very specifically every time it's expensive now there's there's a everything's nuanced 
um, as, as, uh, as, as Nick Metcalf would say on the Talking Snooker Pod, which you should be listening to. It's brilliant. Um, Still everything, not listening to it. Sorry, you should be listening to it. It's, uh, it's basically like this, but snooker. It's brilliant. Have you listened um, to any of my cricket podcasts that I've suggested in the past? You haven't actually suggested any cricket podcasts. Well, you, you've I said Tail Enders, but you've, at no point did you say you should listen to it. You didn't okay, say well, that. You should listen to all okay. cricket podcasts. And I'll go and listen, listen to all of them. Um, is it if when I put it on, will it will it just be like a chirping sound for an hour and a half? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you mean that it's about the sport of cricket rather than about the, the no, insect? No, no, it's like it's like whale song only crickets. I would listen to that. Uh, I actually think you would. Yeah, I would. I would. Anyway, um, you completely <laughs> off my train of thought. So, English wine's expensive. Right. That's there's there's, there's a nuanced conversation conversation there. Um, yes. One of the things, you know, and this this came up on Friday, actually, uh, and this is genuine. Um, one of the guys at the tasting said, um, "Can you recommend some good English sparkling?" But I've got a, I've got a set price point, really. Um, and I wrote down three English sparkling wines for him to try: uh, Oastbrook's, well, yeah. Oastbrook's rosé, mm-hmm. and that's me recommending a rosé. Jesus, Oastbrook's rosé, All time. Angels Classic Cuvée, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. And Balfour Blanc de Noir, twenty eighteen. I mean, their price point must have been pretty good to be suggesting those wines. Those those were the three, so they had, you know it was reasonable. Yeah, yeah. They're like um, thirty five, forty five pound wines. All well, that those, was it. Right? I, he, he said sort of forty was his shelf price, and I said I don't know. You know, right. I don't, I don't sell, I don't ever sell wine. Um, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to talk about wine. I'm not here to sell mm-hmm. it. If you want me to recommend stuff, I'll recommend stuff, but I'm still not selling it. I don't I don't sell. I have no commercial attachment to any winery apart from Balfour Hush Heath because I signed the agreement when I signed up to TMTM. Yeah, um, but, yeah, he said, like, sort of 40 quid, and I said, look, I, I don't know the exact prices, but these are going to be ballpark. So Osbrook Rosé, uh, yeah, All nice. Angels, Classic Cooper 2015, and Balfour Hush Heath, uh, Blanc de Noir 2018. Mm. So... The, the, the part of the conversation was, look, you know, I could try a really good still English white at 20 quid. Yeah. But I know I can still get two bottles of an equally delicious white from Loire for, yeah. for that price. And you go, OK, you, you can. But then you, you, you if that's your buying motive, you and I are having a very different conversation. We need to. You need to consider why you're buying it, what, what you want to achieve with it, and, and all of that. And that's that's a long conversation. But I, I was talking about a potential opportunity. I think one of the things English wine faces over the last few years might be so, like Balfour Blanc Noir, 2018, 40, 45 quid, right? Yep. Consumers looking at that and potentially going, okay, I get that, but at that price, for less than that, I could buy a bottle of Paul Rocher. Or yeah. Laurent Perrier, or whatever their preferred champagne brand. And actually, champagne, there's a lot more history, there's a lot more heritage, they're more established. I know them, I've been drinking them for longer, there's more brand loyalty, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Cham- the price of champagne is being gouged massively. It is really, it, like, it, even the trade press has started to go, is champagne getting a bit pricey? And you sort of go, it's always been pricey, right? But the. I was in a, a story and I was looking at prices of like some really good yet go-to everyday champagne. So Paul Roger was in there, Bollinger was in there, Tattinger was in there, right? They're, yeah, they're yeah. house non-vintage wines, whatever whatever they choose to call them by house, right? They're house everyday champagnes. They're sort yeah. of 45, 50 quid now because the price of champagne's yeah. rocketing. 
So you can hang on a minute. If someone's prepared to drop 35 to 40 on a really good bottle of sparkling, champagne's crept above that, and consumers have long memories in the sense that they go, we all do it. They'll go, oh, Bollinger 50, oh, I remember buying this for 30. Because the people that are selling it go, oh, wow, a product has increased in price in the last 10 years. That's weird. Right, that's what happens. However, is there an opportunity for English wine to go, okay, you like buying really good sparkling at 35 to 40. English wine's doing that. Yeah, Bollinger's gone up 20 quid from what you were spending on it so many years ago. Maybe now's the time to step into English wine. English sparkling. Yeah, no, there's definitely there's definitely scope for that. There is also, there's an element of, we also need to be a little less precious about mm-hmm. our price point mm-hmm. and a little more realistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I make... I make wines for Marks and Spencers. I make wines for mm-hmm. Tesco. I make wines for Co-op. All of those sparkling traditional method. All of them retailing twenty five pounds and under. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely believe that Tesco finest English sparkling white um, is probably no, actually no, is the best bang for your buck sparkling wine in in England from from an English producer because oh, it's twenty one ninety nine. It's PDO wine. Mm-hmm. It's genuine top quality stuff. I'm really proud of it. I love it. And it's twenty one ninety nine. You get that in a mix six and at twenty five percent off, and all of a sudden it's what fifteen quid. I I've said that since. So I did a back when I was doing those shit videos during lockdown. I did a video with that, I and really it was for the very first videos. English wine, the very first English wine Friday, I think it was. And I, oh, yeah. I bought a bottle of that. So you and I had connected, but we didn't know each other at the time. Nope. And from, from the first time I tasted that, so before there was any kind of personal comradely connection between us, I tasted that and went, this is perhaps the best value English sparkling on the market. It's not yeah. to say it's the best English sparkling, but that's not the conversation. It's the best no. value. It is tremendous. And you're going to go, what's English sparkling wine all about? Bang. Great quality, fruit integrated. It's a fabulous wine, that's, and for twenty two quid on the shelf before any discounts, tremendous. Yeah, that, and that's and and you know we make a margin on that. We 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 make money. We don't make a massive amount. We we don't work in wine for money. Nobody makes. I know, I know. Nobody makes money but in wine. Sooner or later, someone must. Yes. <laughs> but you know we 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 do turn. A small profit. It's not massive. Yeah. Obviously, well, it's, it's not massive. Well, it's also, it's, it's nothing know. to be ashamed of. Like, you, if you don't make right. profit, your business it doesn't mean you, you. Oh, these made the best wines in England, yeah, but nobody bought. Well, people bought them, but they didn't make any money. Palmer and Harvey, yeah. gone. Well, yeah, exactly. And this is this is my thing. Is actually English wine does need to come down in price in some places. You need to be mm-hmm. able to still have your forty, forty-five pounds, and and above wines because they're your I hate the term because YGB coined it um, but you know you need your hero brands and you need your hero oh, products within word. those brands yeah it's fucking bollocks so I'm just you carry on um, talking so I'm just going to go and throw up a minute yeah yeah um, but you do need you do you need 
you need those products at that at that upper end because that's what you build the story and build the narrative around. You go, you know, this this wine is a twenty fourteen um, Blanc de Blanc, and it's it's mm-hmm. had this much amount of time on leaves, and I've given it one gram of dosage because my dick's actually huge, and you know, and that's that's what I've done, and it's actually one hundred twenty five pounds, and that's great. You need that because that's that's how you that's how you get people in and you get people talking mm-hmm. about it and they go, oh, actually 125 pounds is a bit pricey. You go, well, I've actually got, um, you know, one at 25 quid, 30 quid, you know, it's a uh, non-vintage sparkling. It's had full mallow. It's probably only had 12 months on these tops, but actually it's still really nice and it's, it offers good value. And this is the bit where we get, sometimes we maybe get it wrong in England is, we need to offer value for money. If we're asking mm-hmm. people to pay 40, 45 pounds a bottle, that needs to be 40, 45 pounds worth of wine. And actually, frankly, because it's English, it needs to be 50, 55 pounds worth of wine. You know, we've got a point to prove. We can't, mm-hmm. you know, we're not champagne. We don't have 300 years of tradition. We need to be better than the price that we're asking for our wines. Mm-hmm. And if we're not, then we're asking too much and we need to bring the price down. Yeah. And we can still make a margin. You know, I'm sorry. I know what it costs. I know what a bottle costs. I know what it costs to grow a ton of grapes. We can still do that. But because Billy Big Bollocks, the banker, who's obsessed with this idea of flogging wine at 45 quid, it's all vintage mm-hmm. and it's all, you know, five years on these. I'm sorry, but it won't work. Once yep. you've sold to your mates and you've sold to your own company, sold to the companies your company supplies and then you've gone oh shit I've still got a hundred thousand bottles in 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 bond you're gonna have to sell them and you're gonna have to sell them cheaper than you'd want <laughs> you'll still make money though and this is the this is the bit that we're kind of missing English wine like the the numbers are wrong wine GB's numbers are wrong if wine GB's numbers are right I represent Balfour represents nearly seven percent of English wine sales in the whole country that's not accurate we're not that big. I mean, you know. Not yet. <laughs> you know, million I, bottles. I, I, I got a small chub on. I was quite excited, but then and then I but then I thought about it. Dear listener, he's not that... put it on camera. I can't actually see anything. Don't worry. <laughs> but you know, I thought about it and realised that that couldn't actually be correct. Correct. And it's not. And uh, you know, the numbers are soft. Which, <laughs> which is an unfortunate choice of phrasing. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to leave you to dig yourself out of this hole, Dave. You carry on; it's fine. The number, the numbers are soft, and they're not they're not accurate. They're not and... <laughs> Poor old Bethan doesn't know what she's marrying into. Oh, my um, word! And they're not accurate in any way, and it's 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 just a nice opportunity for a quick pile onto English wine and. Oh well, you know, you're not selling enough. We're selling plenty. You know, there was a big there was a big drop in supply in twenty twenty one and you know, we mm-hmm. talked about it earlier. We were talking about, mm-hmm. about vintages. Twenty one was shit. Like it was hard to make good wine. Of course there was a yeah. dip in sales in twenty two because mm-hmm. there wasn't as much twenty one wine around and actually it wasn't the pandemic. Everyone wasn't doing eat local, everyone wasn't going mm-hmm. out and buying wines from the world changed winery. didn't it the world had moved on you know i suspect the 2020 
one sales figures were slightly engorged artificially. Um, yep. But yeah, those figures always looked a bit tumescent to me. <laughs> they did, didn't they? I, I mean, at the time when I first saw the twenty-one sales figures, I was like, I don't believe, I don't believe that they're that big. Um, you know, I thought it was. <laughs> Your soon-to-be wife certainly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, but you looked at the figures; they they felt a bit, yeah, my dick's huge. Look how much wine I've sold, rather than actual genuine industry figures. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw I saw the survey that Wine GB sent out. There's no check on it. You just say, yeah. I mean, you just say, oh, we sold about this much, and then and you, you know, send for, it in. For something to work, it needs to be accurate. Yeah. Um, you know, having having a very broad overview of something, state of the nation is great, but you need to drill down and, and figure out what's working. I, I like what you said there about, you know, have top end stuff, but have stuff that's more affordable because what, what you don't want consumers new to the category to think is that English wine's a one trick pony because yeah. it's, it certainly isn't. And I, I said, whenever I talk about English wine, and I say it and I mean it, English wine is one of the most dynamic, exciting, a- adventurous categories. You've got people trying all sorts of stuff, new areas, new grape. You know, people are trying stuff. It's not, you know, not everybody's coming in to go, oh, I'll just make trad method from Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Mounier. You know, there's there's a lot more stuff happening. So you, you want to have diversity of price points representing different different styles. It's a really exciting thing to explore. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think you've nailed it. We've got to stop just, oh, well, English wine costs fifty quid, doesn't it? If it doesn't have to, let's let's do something. Let, let's try and conversely, I don't think if you know if you can't legitimately make something that's twelve quid, don't, don't do make, it. You know, don't make quid. shit because no. again, someone will, someone will taste that and go, "This is shit," and then never touch the category. You you, you mm. look at you know how consumers still respond when they see a flute d'Alsace bottle with German riesling in it, and they all go, "All oh, that sweet stuff from the eighties." You mentioned Beaujolais, the amount of people that still bring up Nouveau. So yeah. customers don't have to need to have many poor experiences for it to taint the entire category no. for, a, for a long well, time. Australian Chardonnay, you know, is still ABC, still comes oh, up. massive. Like, and, you know, everyone is, uh, you still get people who come into the tasting room and say, oh, I don't like yeah. Chardonnay, it's too oaky, yeah. or it's too buttery, or it's too... Yeah. Any, that's not Chardonnay. The, we the, know that, but... I think there's a really interesting conversation there, which I'm not going to engage in simply because of time. Um, yeah, we're really you know, at an it, hour and a half. It, it's it's easy to to damage a brand before you've done anything, and I think, broadly speaking, I think there's a lot of goodwill towards English wine. So even the people who comment, "Oh, it's expensive," often that's laced with a kind of regret or disappointment that they'd like to support it or they've had good experiences. Yeah. They just they find it difficult to justify that level of, of price on a of expenditure on a single bottle. I, I completely understand that, but it, it's very rare that I meet someone who goes, "Oh, it's expensive and it's rubbish." So yeah, there's goodwill no, there. I, I you know, let's not lose that. Um, you know, yeah, um, dude. As you've just said, we're we're at ninety minutes. I know. Have um, we got any topics left on our supposed running order? There were about another 20 that we WhatsApped each other, but I, th- I think we saved those for... I, th- I think that the next podcast that will be coming up, I think that's quite exciting, isn't it? Um, yeah. Are we, doing, are we doing something special for that? I, I, I think we are. going on? Or... Cake, cake and ice cream, isn't it? Yeah. Um, have we got 
we've got that, it's, someone. Well, you, is someone you, coming on? Someone's you, coming on, aren't you, they? There's someone who, who actually does know about English wine, unlike you and me. Mm. Um, and, and he knows about English wine sufficiently to have written and published a book. Did he publish it himself or like... Is it Stephen Skelton? Because if it's Stephen Skelton, I'm not sure I'm here. It, it's not It's not Stephen Skelton, uh, oh, who, right, who right. has indeed written and published books. So I'm aware that the clues I'm Many. giving you weren't weren't detailed enough. Do they um, have a book coming out soon? He, he He's written and published a book. Or she. But there's a very famous vacuum brand named after this individual. Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the new English wine book by, by Dyson McPhillamy. Um, which is strange to be an English wine expert with a Scottish surname. It's weird, isn't it? Who knew? Who knew? No. Um, yeah, no, I can't imagine who that's going to be. No, no idea. No idea. But we probably should reveal it for our listener in, listeners in South Korea who might not know because the news might not have made it over because it's a very English thing. It is, isn't um, it? You know, the news might not have filtered as, as far as, as France or, you know, the Republic of Ireland yet, um, mm. let alone getting as far as South Korea, which is a very, very long way away. Um, Fergus, please tell us who we are being joined by a very special guest. Uh, and we're very we, lucky to have their company. We are, actually. I mean, I'm slightly... I don't quite know if he's fully aware what he's walking into. Well, this, the fact this... that he's agreed to be on this suggests he's never actually listened to it. I don't think he's... He keeps referring to it as the, the maker and the margarita. Um, <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, is, that's is not it, even the right reference. But Is he expecting I a giant of, tomcat? Like I, I, Shall I'm I dress sure as a giant that. tomcat for the recording? <laughs> Please do. Um, so, yeah, no, we are honoured. I, I can't. I, I think this is amazing. I think it's pretty cool. So we've got Henry Jeffries uh, coming on the pod um, in t- well two weeks' time from when you're listening to this, um, and yet yeah, comes out at the same time as his book uh, Vines in a Cool Climate. Uh, I think I've got the title right this time. Um, <laughs> hope, hopefully, he doesn't listen to this episode as a warm up. I, I have uh, ordered ordered my copy. Have you? It has been um, ordered and will be with me at some point. Jack keeps showing me he's got an advanced copy um, and he keeps sort of waving it in my face and being like, would you like to read it? Well, yes, obviously I'd like to read it. And And then he takes it away again. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's it's actually it's actually getting a bit cruel. So it's all about the power with Jack in it. I thought that when he was on, yeah. and he was a great guest, but it was all about the power. Clearly, he was all about the power. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's got it's gone to his head. Um, and but, you, yeah, know they, they, so you know what they say: power corrupts. English wine corrupts absolutely. Well, exactly, and at forty-five pounds a bottle, it just feels far too expensive <laughs> to that level of corruption. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate. Fuck the Tories and speak soon, yeah? Fuck the Tories, I think that's the title of this episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. As as always, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Send us your thoughts, messages, memos, details, um, credit card details, and we need the three digits on the back. Mother's mother's maiden name. Yeah, that'd be good. Name of your first pet, favourite teacher, name of your primary school, road you grew up on. Send us all those details, that'd be great. Thanks for listening, and we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with the wonderful... Henry Jeffries is our guest. Thanks for listening, Ferg. Pleasure. Great to be back. See you soon, dude. Live long and prosper, mate. Cheerio. Ciao. Arrivederci.